Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. The ripple effect, September, October, is what we've been talking about. The ripple effect of our decisions, the ripple effect of who we are, that everything we do and say and, and, and how we interact, even our attitudes and our thoughts, they, they all have a ripple effect. They are far-reaching. Even the smallest decision has a ripple effect. And this morning, I want to preach a message called Being a Person of Value. Being a Person of Value. And so we know, because we are followers of Jesus, that every single person, born and unborn, has great intrinsic value. We are people of value by nature and by design. Why? Because God said so because God put his signature on us, because God put himself on us and in us, and his fingerprint is on every single person. And so every person, before they even do anything, they have intrinsic, eternal, divine value. And so we approach every single person that way. Every single encounter we have, we recognize the person has intrinsic value. So with that being said, and that being a no-brainer, right, I want to move one step beyond that today, and I want to talk to us about how to now become a person who adds value everywhere they go. So being a person of value is not just about the intrinsic value we have, but it's the value we bring to the world. And that is what I want to focus on today. Albert Einstein said this, Try not be a man of of success, but rather a man of value. Do not pursue success, pursue value. Be a person who adds value. And you know, what I've noticed is a person adding value, that sort of person is hard to find these days because the world is grooming us to really just focus on self. And so people who add value to others are hard to find. And they are a rare breed. Not in the church, though. In the body of believers, that's who we are. We are the sorts of people who are not looking for success. We're looking to be people of value. We're looking to add value to the earth. We are the salt of the earth, which means we add flavor. We add potency. We add depth. We are the light of the world, which means we cast light and color and shade. We are people of value. And you're that kind of person is rare. A person who stands by their convictions and is unwavering. I want to base ourselves in Ephesians chapter 6, the last chapter of the book of Ephesians. Verse 10, you can read it together. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord, not in self, not in accomplishments, not in accolades. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. 
put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, all those temptations, all those weights and sins. If you stand firm in the power of his might, you'll be able to resist and stand against all those plots and plans. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against your in-laws. You're not wrestling against a political party. You're not wrestling against a boss. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness in this age against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. My first point is that a person of value stands firm. We're not blown to and fro. We're not tossed left and right. We're not ascribing to pop culture and whatever the most popular opinion is this month. We're not scrolling social media and adopting whatever some celebrity said about eating bugs because that's what they said this week. We stand firm. We stand firm on the Word of God. Having done all, stand. You know, sometimes we hear this notion that if you're not moving forward, you're actually not going anywhere. And while that's true, if you understand it in context, it's not entirely true because we know that standing can actually be the most effective war tactic at times. To hold your ground. To stand. And the Bible says here, put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And when you've done everything, just still stand. Stand firm. And a person of value knows what it is to stand firm. It's, it, it is a very effective tactic in battle. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we are in a wrestle, a spiritual wrestle. And so we must be a people who stand firm. And in this passage in Ephesians 6, it actually comes after all of Paul's teaching around family. It was Mother Teresa who said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And here Paul says he uses the concept of warfare after talking to wives and husbands, after talking to parents and children. It's almost like he's saying, like, if you want to raise a family, you better get ready for a fight. If you want to raise a godly family that is solid and sound in this generation, you better recognize it's going to come with warfare. You better recognize you're going to have to put on some spiritual armor and you're going to have to learn how to stand, that you've, you're going to have to fight. You'll need all the help you can get. It's going to be hard. And if everything else fails, stand firm. Stand firm. We need to go back, church, to living by conviction. Conviction over convenience. Principle over preference. There's a parenting style that has pervaded our generation and we're now living in the first harvest of it, the child-led home. And we're now just starting to live in the fruit of it. 
And what we're seeing is a generation who are confused. We're seeing a generation who are passive, a generation who are rebellious, indifferent, entitled, self-gratifying, driven by fads. They're presumptuous, they're rude, they're dishonest, they're lost. But they were raised by parents who said, well, this is my opinion, son, but it's your life. You do what you want. I've seen this happen over and over again. And the parent not only undermines values and principles, they lose their child as well. It's not win-win, it's lose-lose all the way around. We need to come back to a place where we're living by conviction, where we know what it is that we're standing on and we stand firm on it. Because our generation, our children are crying out for that because it gives them identity, it gives them a sound place to belong and be. They're crying out for it. They're crying out for it. And the generation who are raised on principles are very different and they stand out from their peers. A generation raised on principles employ honor. Imagine that. Imagine a young person who respects their elders. Wow. Revolutionary. These ones employ self-discipline. Imagine a young person who can apply self-discipline. I'm not going to do that because I know what I stand for. Imagine that. Revolutionary. They employ work ethic. Imagine a young person who's a good employee. Praise the Lord. They employ etiquette. One of my friends who's employed at one of the local schools, her job is to teach kids social etiquette. Why is that needed? Because they're not getting it at home. We now have staff positions in schools to teach kids how to say please and thank you, how to interact in a group setting. But a person raised like that employs etiquette. A young person raised that way has vision for the community, has vision for others, has a vision beyond self, beyond self. Amazing. And they, are, they have consideration for others. A child who can actually look beyond themselves and see another person. Wow. Wow. They seek wise counsel and apply it. Amazing. And so we need to teach the next generation how to stand and what to stand for. How to stand for what's right, even if it's unpopular. How to live for righteousness at any cost. We need to teach them to follow Jesus is a radical call. It will cost you everything and the cost is worth it. Don't shy away from the cost, young one. It's going to cost you everything, but the cost is worth it. The cost is worth it. I was recently at the dinner table with my children, and they're telling me about their experiences at school, and I just, again, was overwhelmed with pride. And I said to them, I'm so proud of you guys, because I know that standing up for what's right isn't easy. And immediately the Holy Spirit corrected me. And I said, actually, it's not hard either. 
what's hard is a compromised life. What's harder than standing for what's right is betraying yourself, living in compromise, betraying what you know is right. That's harder than facing the music and standing for what's right. That's harder. And guys, I am so, and they all nodded. You know, it's true, mum. I'm so proud of you. A person of value stands firm, stands firm. And we look at the mighty men and women in the Bible, everything that they faced in their generation. Noah was mocked by the whole nation because he was building an ark for a flood. And they'd never even seen rain, ever. In the history of the earth, it had not rained. And he's building a boat because God said. And so the whole nation mocked him. He built that thing for a hundred years. Imagine being the butt of every joke for a hundred years. And we remember Moses, who was dismissed and disowned by his stepbrother Pharaoh. And then he was mocked by 1.5 million people for 40 years, right? We remember David, who was pursued by Saul. He was mocked by his wife. He was undermined by his son. He was um, wanting to be, his men one day turned against him and wanted to kill him. He spent his whole life standing for God and being misunderstood. We know all of the apostles were martyred. If we read in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes an account of everything he went through. I was beaten, however many times. I was thrown in prison, however many times. Every time I go into town, it's like there's a sign that hangs over the entry of the town that says, Welcome, Paul, our prisons await. Every single day of his life, he faced opposition. He ended up being martyred. And over and over and over again, we read about these amazing men and women, and they ended up often being killed for their faith, but they changed the world. They changed the world. And you and I today are direct fruit of their standing firm. You and I can sit here because of the sacrifices that they made because they stood firm. One of my favorite passages is in Acts 4.29, where the apostles again have been imprisoned and arrested and they're together and they're praying and their prayer is amazing. <laughs> Lord, look at their threats and grant to us your servants all the boldness that we may speak of your word. So just previous to this, they've been arrested and the rulers have said, you are not allowed to speak the name of Jesus. They're in the bottom of a prison praying, God, give us more boldness so that we can keep speaking the name of Jesus. How many of us would sit in prison and then just pull back? Well, one of my life verses is in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 20 verse 9, then I said to myself, because it's so hard and because no one's listening to me, I won't make mention of the Lord anymore. I won't speak his name anymore. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary holding it back and I could not. I just had to say what the Lord had told me to say. I can't hold it back. I'm sorry. You can, you can persecute me. You can throw me in prison. But I can't. It's a fire in my bones. I cannot shut it down. I have to stand on what the word of the Lord says. You cannot move me. And a person of value stands firm, 
stands firm. I'd rather be persecuted by the world and approved by God. Approved by Jesus who himself modeled self-sacrifice for me. Take the world, just give me Jesus. Everyone wants to be great. Not everyone is willing to do what it takes because greatness is on the other side of inconvenience. Greatness does what the masses are avoiding. Dwight D. Eisenhower said this, a people who values its privileges above its principles will soon lose both. A people who value privilege over principle will soon lose both. And if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. And you know, being able to stand has everything to do with our inner man. You can't fake it. Because when the going gets tough, when the rubber really hits the road, is when what's in you shows. What's in you actually comes out. COVID has shown us this. Our preparation needs to be internally and spiritually. Nobel Peace Prize winner, Alexander someone or other, says the meaning of earthly existing lies, not as we have grown used to thinking in prospering, but in the development of the soul. The meaning of earthly existence is in the development of the soul, not prosperity, not external additions, but in the development of the soul. And you can only stand firm when your inner man is firm. When you know what it is you stand on. The development of godly character needs to be at the heart of our development as human beings. So that having done all, we can stand. Don't worry about what people say about you, whether it's good or not. Only worry about what God says. Because you're going to be criticized anyway. Might as well make it worth it. Might as well make it worth it. I think it was Winston Churchill that said something like, you've got enemies? Good. Means you stood for something. Means you stood for something. A person of value stands firm. A person of value, number two, is recognized by love. Love. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Not obnoxious pride. Let all that you do be done with love. In the Gospels, we see Jesus talk about it. He was asked, actually, what's the most important thing, the golden rule? And to sum it up, he said, love God and love others. That's it. Where does love self come into it? Nowhere. It doesn't come into it at all. Love God, love others, full stop. Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. The, this is the first and great commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. These are our two motives. Self is never a part of the equation. It's the beginning and the end. 
love God, love others, that's it. One of my life verses is Psalm 5 verse 3. In the message it says, Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and I watch for your fire to descend. Every morning I put every piece of my life on the altar of the Lord and I wait for the fire to descend on it. God's consuming fire is interested in a life of value. Some of us will be waiting in front of that altar and it will stay cold. But when we live a life of value, the fire descends. The fire descends and accepts that offering. And so what is a life of value? A life of value is a life of love. Loving God and loving others, nothing else. Nothing else. We see that. Our lives need to be lives that are known for love, for love. And love is always about the other person. It's never about self. Our lives need to be lived with others in mind only. And so we see the decisions of loved ones and friends who make bad choices, and we see how that affects not only them, but the ripple effect of those around them. These are not lives defined by love. These are lives defined by self. But a person who adds value to the world is recognized by love. They are recognized as a person who loves. Are you recognized by those around you as selfless? Are you recognized by those around you as a person who loves? Number three, a person of value can't help but do good. Can't help it can't help it. If I love God and I love others, then naturally my actions will be good. My actions will extend to doing good. On Sunday night just gone, I preached a message called your attitude determines your actions. Your perspective determines your purpose. Whatever is your compass, your true north will be where you go and how you get there. And so if love is your true north, it will determine your actions. It will determine all the practical things you do every single day. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God had prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were even a thought to your parents, God had designed a job description for you. Before you were born, your days were mapped out. Why? Why? Because the generation needs you. God knew it needed you. And so God, in His genius, put you together, unique. There's no one like you in the whole earth. We know that biologically and physically, no one has the same fingerprints. No one has the same DNA. You are unique biologically. You are unique by design of destiny as well. God knew the world needs you today. And so he made you biologically unique. He also made you unique in your destiny because God wants to get his job done. He wants to bring the answer to the generation. He loves humanity. And he chooses to use you and I.
How's that going? One, two, hey? One, two, two, two. It's all right, I'll just keep, I'll use both. Hello, hello. Lucky I'm preaching quick and got time. I'm not running over time today. It's all right, I'll just keep speaking. Can you hear me? Ephesians 2.10, created by God to do good works, those works that he planned for us in advance for the generation. Do you believe me? I don't think, I don't think everyone believes this. Praise the Lord. I think if we did, I think if we did believe it, the world would look so different. The world would actually look so different. If, you know, on a Sunday, 500 people come through this place. We're trying to get that back up to pre-COVID numbers because there are many people who are still living for themselves and prefer to be in their pajamas. But if 500 people walked out of here every Sunday knowing God put me here for now, and only I can do what God has assigned to me, the world will look so different. If every single one of us walked out and realized, and Rach does realize this, but I'm in Caboolture Hospital by design. Katie, I'm in the daycare by design. Dougie, I'm on the job site because every single person that is my client, I'm ministering to. I'm here by the genius of God to reach a broken and hurting world. And this was a sign for me before I was even born. If we all actually believed that, the world would look so different. And a person of value can't help but live that way. Every day, every day I put the pieces of my life on your altar, Lord, and I wait for your fire to descend. Every single day, whether I'm getting on the tools or whether I'm typing in a device, or whatever it might be, God, I give you all the pieces of my life and I live for you. We're not saved. This doesn't get us into heaven doing good stuff. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. Christ did the work for us. Then he came looking for us, found us, we accepted, and now we tap into that destiny that was written for us before time itself. His good works, His agenda in this generation. A person who adds value can't help but do good. Ephesians 5, Jesus said, Let your light show so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before men so they can hear your sound doctrine and your opinion and know so that they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. <laughs> Let's give it up for Heath. Oh, the enemy mustn't like this message. I love that Cam said this in the offering. It's all about the heart to God. God sees your heart, but you know what? 
man sees your deeds. God looks at the heart, but man sees works. And when our works are love-based works, <laughs> so distracting. When our works are love-based works, the people around us glorify the Father in heaven. They point to God. They always bring glory to God. They become a witness to the unsaved person. They edify another person. And out of what Christ has done for us, we can't help but live this way. You know, you and I should live as though we've been plucked out of the flames. And we need to tell everyone about it. You and I should live as though we know a living Savior. You and I should jump and shout and party like as if we've actually been rescued from the flames. Because we have. Curry R. Blake said, if your gospel is not touching others, it hasn't even touched you. We should live as though we've been rescued because we have. We should love as though we've been loved because we have. And just to finish, James 2:26, For the body without the spirit is dead, and so faith without works is dead also. And so do good works. Do you live a life that adds value? Do you live a life of purpose? We stand, we love, and we do good. It's that easy. You want to change the world? Stand firm, love others, and do good works. Stand firm, love, and do good works. Just that. Just those three things. It's that easy. Why don't we bow our heads? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.